Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of some amazing association executives and partners. We're building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, the CEO and strategy catalyst of Vistacova, a company that partners with organizations and strategic facilitation. And I am incredibly happy to have with me today, Chad Rummel, MEDCAE, the Executive Director of the Council for Exceptional Children, which serves over 40,000 special education teachers around the world. Prior to CEC, Chad served in leadership positions for 10 years in psychology associations. Uh, although his original career path started as a classroom teacher in Kansas almost 20 years ago. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that path that's been and the path that's coming next. Appreciate you being with us today, Chad. Thanks for having me, Lowell. Glad to talk with you. So as we are, start every episode of Rockstars, uh, we know that each of the people we talk to have had amazing journeys and bring to the table some awesome skill sets and experiences. Uh, and so in that line, we're just curious to start with What's one place that you have a superpower? What's like one skill you bring to the table that you often rely upon or you often employ uh, that has helped you find success, that has helped you lend strength to the associations you've worked with? That's a great question. And um, I think that through my last three organizations, the one thing that's helped me lead some innovation and change has really been being an eliminator. Being mm. somebody who has been able to chop down the roadblocks that kind of guide us in our thinking that don't need to be there. This is just how we do things. It's not a phrase that I like to see in my conversation. Um, my kind of mantra as a leader is that it's my job to bring in the best people, get the hell out of their way, and make sure there's nothing else in their way so they can shine and move forward. And once you start clearing out those roadblocks, that's yeah. when they can start seeing their own thinking open up. And then you can start having those conversations about, about change and innovation. But I love just having those conversations with people about a problem and, and, and hearing them not even realize that they're stating what the problem is, but it's so ingrained in their thinking that membership is X or a yeah. conference is Y. And once you take that out of the picture and help them eliminate it, the road's wide open. That's, and that's what I love to do. And I think that's what's helped me be successful to a certain extent this far. I think if I was going to put a little icon over your head, it would probably be a bulldozer. Uh, in the, in the kindest way, right? Like you're getting the problem out of the way and, and smoothing the path going forward. I like it makes it. me sound so much more tough and bulky and big than I really am. So I like that. Hey, yeah. We're seeing you, we're seeing you head up. We'll go with it. Let's, make, let's say that you are. <laughs> I like that. I'm the bulldozer. Bring it on. We'll go with it. The, uh, I mean, obviously in your intro, we stated that you had decades of experience, you know, first within a classroom. I'm a master's of education myself. Like, the world of education and learning is one that I'm also passionate about. Also found my way to the association world. I'm just yeah. curious in your own journey, like when was there a transition point that you found the association space, the landscape as a place as you know, your professional home that like you felt at home here? Mm -hmm. You know, like most of us, I accidentally fell into it. I knew that I needed out of education for personal reasons. And I, I kind of fell into it through a connection and, um, my first couple of years, I thought, this is kind of cool. I, I like this. And um, there was a, a pivotal time that really kind of changed my thinking. And before I, before I share that story, let me preface by saying I hate conflict. Yeah. I, I'm the kind of guy that I'll, I'll mute the television during news if they're arguing. I just can't listen to it. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm happy to debate and go, you know, go to town if I need to, but I just avoid it at all costs. It just makes me all anxious. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, um, my, my first time I realized that I was an association lifer 
was when I was working at the American Psychological Association, and one of my jobs was to work with this massive 160-person Council of Representatives, right? This passionate body, it was a beast, and my job was very small with this group. I, I worked their meetings, and I was the one that helped write the motions as they're going, listen to what they're saying, put their motions on the screen, help the voting. I, I was just doing this really small piece of it. But the year was 2013, picture it, we're in Honolulu, and I am not on the beach. I'm not under an umbrella. I'm not drinking a Mai Tai. I, I was going to say, that, that was my picture of Honolulu. <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted to be doing. But instead, I was in this ballroom at the computer, being sucked into this heated debate for hours. And really, you know, I should have been at my wits end because it's just not an area that I would succeed in. And all day long, there was fighting and motions and voting and breaks. And it just, it was intense. And it it really peaked right at the end in this really heated debate and then it just stopped. There was a vote and it just stopped and people walked away and all was good. And I remember sitting in my chair there, I was wearing a green shirt and somebody came up to talk to me about my green shirt. And I, I remember just thinking to them, how are you guys not angry? Why are, you, why are you complimenting me on my shirt? Why are you not all enthralled in this? And then I realized that I actually wasn't anxious all day long. I was caught up in it too. It wasn't that they were fighting and arguing. I had just seen this huge bubble of passion from people that yeah. were so caring about what they were doing that it came across in this, what would look to some like a heated environment, but really it was just this exchange of trying to move the organization forward. That was when I realized there was so much power through associations that I, I was hooked. Um, I did leave and go to the beach and have my Mai Tai but I, I left not feeling like I was drained over conflict and anxiety. I was drained because I was in hours of passionate conversation. And it's two different things. And that was when I realized this was a really cool thing I was a part of. Well, that culture, right? That culture of like a passionate commitment to an organization is something many organizations like that you, you hope for, like you aspire mm -hmm. to find in a membership and in a leadership how have, you, how have you found in your experience that like that passion for the organization has translated to association impact? Like what, like the why behind organizations, right? Like how has that actually translated to healthier orgs? You know, I, I think when we, we see those kinds of conversations, it's not just because somebody wants to argue. It's because somebody sees a way we can make a change and we can make an improvement on life and affect people. And in that particular conversation, it was because they really wanted to make sure they had the right people at the table to drive the future of psychology. Everyone in that room came in with the premise that psychology has the ability to change the world, has the mm. ability to guide the world. And we wanted to make sure that as a group that we were able to do that to our best ability. And so we walked out of there knowing that, look how much stronger the association is going to be tomorrow because we just did this. That's how we're gonna go out and make those changes because we just got stronger internally. Um, and then you, you can look at the many things that come out of it. once. Once you're a stronger organization and you're operating smarter, you're triaging smarter, you can see the impact just begin to blossom. And so for me, that was a, a time in which I, internally I realized how powerful these organizations were. And externally I began to watch afterwards and see how much more they were able to accomplish because they were thinking smarter. The very next meeting of this council of representatives, all of a sudden they weren't having the same kinds of conversations as the 160 person council were they were actually having very in-depth conversations about telepsychology at the very next meeting. All of a sudden, we now shifted our brain focus because of this debate into something that is so powerful today. And yeah. it was because they, they, that debate and that reorganization they were heated about 
led them to a rethink of how they did association business. Once they rethought it, all of a sudden, these big conversations began to find space in their governance system. So it was really great to see. No, you're, I love the reflections of the potential place of an organization to continue to refocus for it to make impact. You know, in particular in, in these conversations, we're trying to also have a dual focus on those that are behind the scenes or not so behind the scenes, but the staff that are helping organizations do that. You know, as you think about the leadership needs of these associations that are doing this important work, what do you see in terms of like what's coming next where those that are coming up in the ranks or even have some level of leadership already should be focusing to be the leaders associations need for tomorrow? You know, I think if we're going to continue to grow as a brain trust, the association world, we have to continue to develop inquisitive leaders. We often talk about problem solvers and how we need to hire problem solvers to push us forward. But the reality is the solutions for today's problems will in and of themselves be problems tomorrow. So we need inquisitive people that are asking questions of each other and of the field. And through that questioning are able to push us think differently so we can innovate before yesterday's solutions become tomorrow's problems. Yeah. Otherwise we're, we're, we're going to be regulated by disturbances and we're going to constantly be reacting. We need not just somebody who can solve it, but somebody who can ask a question before we get into that. Um, you, know, you think about the, the minutes, the first minutes we started hearing the word coronavirus or COVID or the Wuhan disease at the time, we didn't have a name for it. Right. There were people that were starting to ask the questions and starting to put themselves and their organizations ahead of that. We need that on a global scale across associations, people who can be inquisitive before we need them to be inquisitive. You know, I try to bring to boards all the time the power of not like walking in with the answer, but trying to have questions of discovery. Uh, mm -hmm. I find is that, you know, colleagues and leaders in the space approach it differently from like where they, where they feel safe asking questions and also mm -hmm. where they find a frame of reference to ask those questions to like gather the vocabulary and the fluency to answer them. Where, where do you go to ask your questions so that like you continue to like, you know, grow and shape it and like evolve in your own right? You know, I think that we're very fortunate that we are association leaders because we understand what it means to associate. We understand what it means to rely on each other. Um, what I think is so unique about association leaders is we all approach problems differently based on our experiences. I approached pretty much every problem from one of two lenses based on my original love, which was journalism education. So I approached so many things from a communication and a teaching lens. And then somebody else may come along and approach it from a governance lens or a finance lens or a membership lens. So we all have a unique way of approaching things. Um, if you were to sit at any ASAE event, for example, and ask a group of leaders, how do you solve XYZ problem? and then somehow find a way to mind map their thinking yeah. and lay those mind maps out, how different they would all be. Many would come to the same solution. Many would have, you know, some of the same crossroads in their thinking, but just the way we approach things is just so different. So for me, it's, it's all about having a personal network. It's all about having um, those connections. There's three or four people that I, I won't mention names, but I constantly you're, ask. You're welcome question. to if you want to, but you don't need to. <laughs> You know, here, here's an example. There's, um, I, I don't ever ask this person questions because I just, I hold this person in such a high bubble. Yeah. But I often think about how um, Gabriel Eckert, who's a leader of an association in Georgia, yes. I often think how Gabriel would approach a situation because yeah. he, 
he's such um, this intense thinker at a meta level. Yes. Before he can even begin to even start diving into something, I have to envision that he floats around in this meta cloud for so long because he sees it from so many different ways that I do. He's a constant reminder of me to jump out of the situation, jump back, look at what I'm trying to do, look at what's out there on the landscape. Um, and so he's somebody that I, I just, I think he's a perfect example of somebody who thinks in a different mind map than I do. Yeah. He probably would end up in the same situation. So I think, it, you know, even if I don't get a chance to ask, you know, Gabriel a question, having somebody who I can envision and try to think how they would approach this, you know, it's, everyone has their own lens, um, but we have to keep those different lenses in mind. And I think putting a face with them, some of them really makes it easier to think differently like they would. Well, Gabriel is a, I'd say he's one of my colleagues, friends, and mentors as well. I find his ability in every situation to both be caring and careful and strategic, like in every consideration, mm -hmm. it's just such an inherent blend for him that I, I certainly look yeah. for it and learn from it as well. It, it is, and he talk about being inquisitive. If you ask him, you know, about a problem or a solution or something, yeah. He's going to have five questions before you can even begin to jump into that meta cloud, and I I just appreciate that, and I it's a constant reminder to be that inquisitive. I think he's a perfect example of that level of thinking. Sounds like that's something that like you appreciate, but from what you were talking about before, Mr. Bulldozer, it sounds almost like something that you've adopted, right? Like get the right people, ask the questions to discover what they need, and then help them find how to get the problems out of their way. It is, and you know. Sometimes we find when we're presented with a problem, as a leader, we just want to jump in and fix it. And yeah. there are times where that's the solution, you know, and there are times where we, we just need to jump in and take the lead on something. But there are times where we're reminded to be in that meta level and reminded to ask the questions, reminded to that it's sometimes better to guide someone else in finding the solution, even if you know what the solution is, to find, to lead them in that solution. Um, I, I think about um, Sue, the CAE facilitator, Sue. Sue. Sue Radwan. 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 Mm -hmm. There you go. I think about sitting in her MSAE um, CAE course, and mm -hmm. every question that somebody asked her, she didn't give an answer. At yeah. every question, she hopped in the driver's seat. She didn't touch the driver's wheel. She didn't put her foot on the brake. She led you to your own discovery of the solution, and I think that's also such an awesome way to think about being a leader and thinking about problem solving is if you have two drivers in the front, you're going to get in a very different direction than if one person was just leading the way. So I think she's also yeah. somebody else that um, kind of is a, a mentor in that sense. Uh, first, I am completely appreciative of you recognizing those that you learn from and you seek to from learning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as our time continues in this conversation, there are going to be those that are in the chat box that are, are watching uh, that, of course, are looking to see as you've gone from a place of education to staff to CEO uh, of such a mission vision driven organization. Uh, as they look for inspiration or for path, you know, mm -hmm. what would you what would you share in terms of those that are aspiring to be rock stars? Like, what would you say to them in terms of where they should first look or most importantly look? I think the, the first the first trick is to find out what what drives you in the association world. What what gets you excited and learn to capitalize on that. Um, for me, an example of this is you know something I experienced at SPSB, the Society for Personality and Social Psychology. Obviously, they have a lot of passion around the work, behavior research, etc. 
But something that I found in that organization that really drove me to want to be a bigger leader um, was not just passion, but compassion. Mm. And within this specific organization, there was so much compassion for each other. Let me give you an example. Um, SPSP has a big national psychology research conference. You have to go to it. It's where you go to find your, your faculty advisor when you're going to go to grad school. It's where you go to find research collaborators. Um, and one day I was sitting in my office and out of the blue, the phone rings and um, I never get phone calls. So I don't know how to react to that, honestly. But it, it was this undergraduate student from a small school in Florida. And he was reaching out kind of a last straw. He wasn't able to get into grad school, didn't have connections. He didn't go to a big school where he had somebody guiding him. He was a first-generation college-bound student. He just needed help. He knew he wanted this career, and he didn't know what to do with it. Well, I, I didn't come up through psychology research. I didn't know how to help him. So I took down his story, and I, I called somebody who knew was in this area of research he was interested in. And yeah. I, I said, Mark, how, how, do I, how do I guide this student? And because that's, that field, and I think many people in the association world are so compassionate I found myself within five minutes being on a three-way call with this person I called for advice and this undergraduate. Yeah. 10 minutes later, we had found funding to get this kid to the national conference. He was being shepherded around, shepherded around, being introduced to all these people. He got into grad school because of this connection. And those kinds of things may not appear in our strategic plan. They may not appear in our marketing materials. But at the heart and soul, those happen every day in association world. Yeah. And that's what drove me. That's what drove me when I was in SPSP, that's what drives me in CEC is I found something that I really like about associations, that one piece that gives me life. And it's the compassion that our members have for each other. So yeah. my advice to a younger person is find out what really drives you. What, when you want to tell a success story to your grandma about why you love what you do, what is the one thing you're really going to tell in that story and capitalize on it and figure out how to be really good at supporting that or doing that piece of it. And that's where you'll shine. It's not just that you like to plan meetings, right? If you're right. a meeting planner, it's not that you put on a really good meeting that makes you love associations. There's something very specific about it that gives you those butterflies when you think about the work you do. And only when you truly acknowledge what those butterflies are, can you really figure out how to tap into that and how to drive yourself to want to be bigger and, and do more. Well, a, a compassionate bulldozer is hard to find, <laughs> but, uh, I will say it's clear why you're a rock star, sir. And I, oh, I really am appreciative of you joining us today and also all that you've given and continue to give. Thank you, I appreciate that. I wanna give a shout out to Amy Hager, uh, who's helping behind the scenes with all of this, the production of Association Rockstars. And of course, thanks to all of you who've participated and contributed. And you continue to post any questions or ideas. We'll continue to look for them and to create the answers and to get back to you. Until next time, association members.